Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Backheel Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and today we're back with our MLS must-watch rankings. There are 13 games this weekend, not 14, so I guess you got an hour and 55 minutes back in your weekend. You're you're welcome. LEFC and Philly both have the weekend off after the first leg of their CCL clash, which they drew 1-1 in Pennsylvania, and ahead of the second leg, which will be in LA on Tuesday. So which of these 13 games should you be prioritizing, and which ones should you maybe just skip altogether? I'm going to run through 1-13 to on this episode Picking the games with better star power or narratives or styles or tactics or entertainment value or chaos or any of that stuff, those games are going to be at the top and the less interesting ones are going to be at the bottom. So without any further ado, let's get to it and talk MLS. folks at the top of the list for this weekend's action is Toronto FC taking on NYCFC. Toronto aren't a good team right now. They don't look like a, a team that's capable of playing effective soccer on a consistent basis, but they have stars. Lorenzo Antinia scored a nice goal last weekend in a game that they were thoroughly outplayed against Philadelphia, but they've got Antinia, they've got Bernadeschi, and we're starting to see those players back and play together. NYCFC on the other side of this game, are just starting to look plain dominant, even without a number nine. Santiago Rodriguez started up top last weekend. That worked fairly well. I bet we'll see it again this weekend. NYCFC are fun to watch, and they're a good team. Toronto are fun to watch, and they're a bad team. This one could be spicy. The second game, also staying in the Eastern Conference, number two on my list, is the New England Revolution taking on FC Cincinnati. These two teams are at the top of the Eastern Conference. They're both on 20 points. The Revs have the goal difference advantage. Cincinnati are just behind them. Both of these teams have played some really nice soccer so far in 2023. Both also have flaws. For Cincinnati, are we going to see Brenner? If we do see him, how motivated is he going to be? And for the Revs, do they have enough tactical consistency from week to week to really be able to impose their will on a Cincinnati team? I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do know that these two teams have a lot of talent. Number three on the list is a stylistic pick for me. It's Austin FC taking on San Jose. San Jose got their lunch money taken from them by RSL last weekend in a loss, but they play some really nice-looking positional play, well-drilled patterns, fullbacks finding the wingers with some inside-out runs, just a lot of really nice soccer from Luchi Gonzalez's team. And Josh Wolf is also a Greg Berhalter disciple. Both of these managers, Wolf and Luchi Gonzalez, have, have coached under Greg Berhalter with the U.S. Men's National Team, They have similar outlooks on the game, but very different rosters, and it's seemingly two clubs that are headed in very different directions right now. I want to see what this matchup looks like on Saturday. Number four on the list is DC United against Charlotte FC. I said earlier this week, talking to Ryan Bailey, noted Charlotte FC fan, that I don't know that this is going to be a well-played game, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a fun game. Charlotte plays some nice soccer, again, under Christian Latanzio, very Man City-esque in what they try to do. Very Arsenal on Wednesday and how they execute some of those patterns. So Charlotte don't play the most effective soccer, but you know neither do DC United. They've got Christian Benteke playing power forward for them in the front line. He's the the sun and everything else moves around the sun in DC United's orbit. So I want to see what this matchup looks like if DC United can brute force their way to something or if Charlotte can pretty their way to something. Number five on the list is St. Louis taking on Portland. St. Louis will be without Jao Klaus, who's been... Not a revelation, but it's been a very good player for them so far this season as they're sitting on top of the Western Conference. Do they have the depth to really sustain their form? That's the question for St. Louis is, is is the roster build strong enough to weather an injury or two to key players? So that's what I'm watching out for St. Louis in this game. In Portland, they're just now starting to get healthy. Sebastian Blanco's starting to get back in. They're rounding into relative health. 
maybe we're undervaluing Portland right now. I'm not very high on this team, but maybe there's something here. We'll learn more about them on Saturday. Number six on the list is Sporting Kansas City taking on CF Montreal. Now, I know that SKC are last in the West, and I know Montreal are last in the East. These teams aren't very good, although I think they both have the potential to be much better, especially Sporting Kansas City as Gadi Kinda comes back from injury here. But they play entertaining soccer like this game is going to be entertaining we're going to see Bryce Duke pick up the ball in good spots we're going to see him continue to evolve we're going to see SKC try to break their incredibly bad run of form even though these teams have been bad this year this is going to be a very good game number seven on the list is Columbus taking on Inter Miami Miami are in a skid it took them a long time to get past the Miami FC the Ohio State of, of the USL championship and the US Open Cup earlier this week what even is this team right now? I've got an article coming out for Backheel tomorrow that talks about how desperately they need a chance creator, whether it's Lionel Messi or not. Columbus, though, have looked like more than the sum of their parts this year. And I want to see if they can take the game to Miami, if they can really steamroll them and establish themselves under Will Fernandez as like a real player in the Eastern Conference. I'm not there yet on Columbus, but you know something this weekend could get me closer. Number eight, Vancouver against Colorado. Two teams that want to use the ball. Vancouver have been so much fun this year in the 4-3-3 with Julian Gressel as a right-sided central midfielder. They're eighth in the West right now. Colorado are below the playoff line, which is difficult to do. And MLS, admittedly, at this point, with 62% of the teams making the playoffs, they kind of took St. Louis to task, at least in the first half last weekend, showing that, yeah, we we can do some stuff in a back three. So I want to see what this game looks like. This is a curiosity pick for me. Number nine is Nashville taking on Atlanta United. Atlanta struggled for stretches of their game against Chicago. Nashville will pose a even more rigid defensive challenge playing in that 4-4-2 shape. Can Atlanta United find their midfielders in pockets of space, in the half spaces, outside of Nashville's double pivot in their defensive shape? You know, Atlanta are a good team. I think they're third in the, in the Eastern Conference right now. They're still not playing even remotely close to their ceiling, and Nashville will be a great test for them playing in Nashville. Number 10 on the list is Chicago taking on the New York Red Bulls. I'm going to be honest with you. The only reason that this game is as high as it is with two teams that love to play direct they're both in the top five in MLS this year in direct attacking speed. The only reason that this game is is not even lower on the list of 13 this weekend is because of Brian Gutierrez. Young American player should be at the U-20 World Cup with the U.S. next month. He's been pulling the strings for Chicago as a number 10. He's been doing it some a little bit wider. He did it last week against Atlanta as like a number eight, even at times dropping back to be the, the lowest midfielder for Chicago. So smooth on the ball, really technical, very comfortable under pressure, still some room to grow. He's not always as precise with his passes as he should be, and he's not a strong player in that midfield area. He's going to get bodied off the ball. He's a player, though, against against the Red Bulls that could really grow. Like, this could be a benchmark game for Brian Gutierrez against a team that wants to not just run towards you, but wants to run you over. Can Brian Gutierrez be an effective attacking contributor for 90-plus minutes in this game against Red Bull? I think this is going to be a great test for him, and I'm genuinely curious to watch this matchup. Number 11 is Orlando City taking on the LA Galaxy. Like, if, if Ricky Pouge was playing in this game, and he's not, he's suspended due to yellow card accumulation, this would be higher. Seems like the Galaxy are just now starting to go away from that 4-3-3 every game from the start all the time that Greg Vanny has, has really leaned into this year. Last week against Austin, they deviated and, and still defended in a 4-4-2 shape defensively, but then moved into, like, this 3-3-back three, three shape that had, but then moved into this 3-5-2 in the attack that was lopsided and still part 4-3-3, but... You know, got Jovalich and Chicharito on the field together. What lineup does Greg Vanny use? Can Orlando show something to justify, you know, the money they spent and, and how they went rebuilding their roster during the offseason? 
I don't know the answers to those questions, but I'm curious to find out, not as curious to find out as I am to learn more about like 10 other games this weekend, but they're not last on the list. <laughs> RSL Seattle is not last on the list either. They're in 12th. This is a rematch from earlier this season where Seattle you know, dominated RSL in Seattle. Now RSL will have the chance to try and return the favor. Seattle dealing with a few injuries right now. Raul Rui Diaz will be out for this game. RSL look more competent this week, as, as of this week, than they did you know, at the beginning of the season. Still, Seattle are the better team. I'm just not sure that this is going to be a barn burner, given that neither team really loves to have control for large stretches of time. The last game on this list, and, and this is more of a pet peeve of mine, it's Minnesota United taking on FC Dallas. Now, the reason why I bumped it down so low is we've seen this game a lot over the last few months. We saw it as the last game of Minnesota United season last year in the playoffs. FC Dallas won that game on penalties before losing to Austin in the Western Conference semifinals. And we also saw it as the first game for both of these teams this season. Now we're seeing it again just 10 weeks into the year. That's three times and really the last 12 possible match days for both of these teams. I'm, I'm just a little bit Minnesota United FC Dallas out right now. There are still interesting storylines here. I'm just kind of tapped out on Minnesota United FC Dallas. So they are in the 13th spot this weekend. All right, folks, that is it for this edition of my MLS must-watch rankings. From Toronto NYCFC to Minnesota United versus FC Dallas, there's plenty of action this weekend. We'll have coverage of MLS and the rest of American soccer over on Backheel.com. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed our coverage, go ahead and subscribe. We'd appreciate it very, very much. For now, we'll talk to you again soon. 